little intro, but you can't hear it. I'm gonna wait for it to finish. We good? Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Least Favored. I'm your girl, Natalie. And I do not have Tony with me today, but we got Ant in the back, as always. And you have to say something. What's good? What's good? What's good? Okay, thank you. Today, I'm joined by Phoenix. Now, Phoenix, I want you to kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Like, what would you categorize what you do and all that? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been writing my entire life. So I'm a writer at my core. And um, outside of that, I would say I'm an activist um, and just all around someone trying to change the world for the better. Mm. And that's it. The label doesn't really matter, but I'm a creative. I'm a free flowing person who just wants to put out positivity and help enlighten my people. I love that. Hold on. (laughs) Some gunshots. All right. So we always start every episode with a topic from the bowl. And it's just like a nice little icebreaker. My co-host wrote those. Shout out to Tony. All right, I gotta get this open. It's like stuck. All right. What's something you are glad your mom or dad doesn't know about you? Mm. (laughs) Damn. I don't Uh, even know. What is something? (laughs) Um, I could go first, but like I feel like at this point. My parents kind of already know everything. I think, all right, one thing before that I was glad they didn't know was that I smoked weed. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, like, in my, I don't know about in your family, but, like, for me, especially in, like, Hispanic culture, if you smoke weed, you're, like, the fucking devil. It's, like, yeah. the worst thing you could possibly do. Right. But now, I mean, we had an open conversation about it, and they're fine with it. Oh, so, good. I don't know. I feel like my, I'm not close to my parents, and... um I don't even think they would care if they found out something. But I think my mom has always been like a very dramatic mother mm-hmm. where if she ever found out that I was going through something that wasn't pleasant, she would like freak out. Be like, oh, oh my God, God, like yes. you shouldn't be going. Th-. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, anything that I've been through that's like dark or bad, like mm-hmm. I'm glad she doesn't know because I don't think she would take that well. Like yeah. she would probably feel really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing that her kid has gone through oh some my God. real life shit. Now that you say that, that makes so much, so many things have happened to me and I always kept it quiet because of how my mother would react to shit. And for me, it was more so like a way to kind of, I think, like protect her. Because it's like, I don't need you to freak out over this. I feel like I can handle it and I'm doing a good job. So like, we're good. You want to raise that a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, like fell. I think it needs to be tightened or something. Yeah. It like falls. Hold on. We're going to fix it. But while Anthony fixes that, I guess I wanted to start with you first, like, because I discovered you through Instagram and I was watching all your reels. Guys, her reels are amazing. <laughs> like you have like put me onto so many things when it comes to like manifestation, healing your trauma. Even like one time I saw one of your videos, how when you first bought your apartment, how happy you were, you were literally crying and like sharing your story. I guess I want to like rewind a little bit to like the beginning, like. Where are you from? How was your upbringing? And how did you become this person that you are today? Well, I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the South Bronx. You're, you're, you already know. <laughs> shout out, shout out. Um, shout out to all of New York City. But I grew up in the Bronx. I was born in Queens and raised in the Bronx. And I grew up in a very big family. I have five siblings. Then there was my mom. My dad was like in and out of my life. Um, he struggled with addiction. So he was like in drug programs. And then he was in prison for a little bit. And he actually became a drug counselor, oh, which wow. was really inspiring. Um, and I think like seeing my dad do things like that inspired me to like 
be a role model like in my community yeah um so i went through a lot like you know just growing up in that household we were on welfare so i we had like the worst end of life in this country Mm -hmm. um and i always felt really bad about that i felt like suicidal throughout my entire childhood but i knew that i had to get here yeah so you know, really for me, it was education. Like that was really my outlet. A lot of people where we're from, it's basketball, it's, you know, uh, creative things like music even, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We see that a lot. But I knew that like education was my ladder. So I got like straight A's all through school and I ended up getting the Gates Millennium Scholarship. Nice. So Bill, Bill Gates and his wife have a foundation and they gave out a thousand scholarships each year for a few years, I can't remember, but they were basically giving it to tw- to 20,000 people. Oh, wow. So I was in, like, the 19,000, like, mark. Like, wow. I, I, like you know what I'm saying? That's so, like, crazy. had I been born any other time, like, I probably right. would never had that. So that changed my life. That changed the whole trajectory because I went to college. I was the first one to go away to school. Went there for four years. I went to Maris in Poughkeepsie. And then in that school, that's where I really, like, learned about who I was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I figured out what I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of the problems in you know, our society. And I was just like, I got to speak up. So I started doing poetry. That was my outlet. Mm -hmm. Even in high school, I went through a depression, a really bad breakup, things that happened with my mom that, you know, the growing pains of being a teenager and poetry was what helps me to process, but it was never like a passion. Right. Fast forward. Um, I'm in college and then I ended up studying abroad. And when I traveled that like changed my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like, like that's the best way to like learn life. Like you could read books, you can watch podcasts. There ain't nothing like getting on a plane and going somewhere you ain't never been. By yourself, by the way. I like didn't know anybody when I studied abroad. Ended up meeting a girl who was from the Bronx too. So we're roommates, it was so funny. Um, And I know like my connection to the Bronx is powerful and spiritual because everywhere I go when I travel, I always meet somebody from the Bronx. Yeah. And it's just so funny because it's like, what are you doing here? Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> like, like, I met a girl when I was in South Africa. She's from the Bronx. And mm-hmm. I was like, what are the odds? Like, this is crazy. So, yeah. you know, I, I try to do a lot of the activism through my art. And after spoken word poetry, I started performing a lot more because mm-hmm. I started off like writing poetry on paper. I right. never really shared it. And then I started to perform. And then that's when I like really grew into my personality and my art. And now I'm like moving into music and acting and other mm-hmm. things. Um so yeah, travel, going to college, um, living in Africa, teaching there and surviving the trauma of yeah. my childhood, which we can get into later. But it was really just wanting a better life yeah. and, and trying to figure out how, to, how can I get that in a way that's like good for me, right. where I can use my skills. And I was always a really good student. So I just did that. And mm-hmm. it led me down a lot of really great paths. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to rewind a little bit to, OK, so your father being an addict you being one of five siblings, were you the youngest? The youngest girl. Okay, youngest girl. Brother. Okay, cute. Um, what was that like? So having a father like that, and then also that push for education, was anybody instilling that in you or was that just your own like motivation? Mm, that's a good question. Um, funny enough, like education wasn't really that important in my house okay. because my siblings either like didn't graduate or... You know, they dropped out or they just kind of like they just got by. Yeah. Um, so for my mom, like my mom always knew what it was. Like every time I was like bringing home like awards or report cards, she was always like, OK. And like she put it in a folder. It was like rinse and repeat. It was right. it, there was nothing to praise there. It was just so normal. My family was so used to me being a good noodle. So it was just like, OK, 
Yeah. But I think, you know, I got some positive reinforcement from my older brother and I, but it was really me. Like I wanted to be good. Right. And I think that came from having um, a toxic relationship with my mom from childhood, not really feeling connected to her and wanting to get her love. And that kind of ties to like the inner child stuff that I talk about in my reels on Instagram, yeah. where it's like, we have these wounds from either our parents or from people that we've met and we carry those into our adulthood and it affects our relationships mm -hmm. and it, it affects us subconsciously. Yeah. So for me, it was like, if I do good in school, my mom will like love me. Right. Like she'll show me that she cares. You know, she won't, she won't, uh, abuse me like right. let's just be honest this is what happened and that's my truth and it took me a while to like even say that mm -hmm. because I was in denial and I didn't want to believe that my mom could be that way with me right but the more I met other women other mothers they affirmed that like yeah like your mom's just she's broken and yeah. she's like she needs help so education was the outlet and education was really it but I think my dad too like he was a smart man he um he went to college he like got his um associates and then like I told you he um he was a drug counselor so Literally just seeing my dad be like this smart man. He was also an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Just seeing like my dad's hustle. I think that's where I got it from. Yeah. And like he was always very proud. Like he would always brag about how smart I am. And I'm like, somebody. Someone cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's fast forward then to like <clears throat> you studied abroad. You did all that. Did you go back home right away or did you automatically like start living on your own? After college? Yeah. Um, after college, I went back home for a few months. Actually, I didn't go back home home. I went to my ex-boyfriend's house because I was living with my ex. Mm -hmm. So home was really like at his place. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was home, I was home for like a few months at a time. And things were really hard because I'm like sleeping on a couch. And I'm just like, Fuck. like this yeah. sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you graduate college and you're expecting a lot more for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. But I just wasn't there. But I ended up graduating with two fellowships. So I was just waiting them to start so mm -hmm. the first one was the john lewis fellowship and there's a congressman named john lewis he passed away maybe like two years ago or even more than that and um he was a civil rights leader and i did his fellowship in atlanta so mm -hmm. i was like studying human rights and civil rights in atlanta for i want to say a month and i was like staying on campus at george uh, georgia state and then after that that's when i went to africa so i had like some little like time in between you did a lot yeah like i've done a lot of things yeah. and it, it like completely blows my mind that I've been able to do that. And like, I think now I'm more focused on like my inner world and mm -hmm. less on the outer. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm less focused on achieving and more focused on feeling. Mm -hmm. And when you feel, then you can tap into like your true self. And then mm -hmm. when you're like living as your true self, you're like unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So that's really what it's all been. Like I was like in survival mode. I was like, I gotta achieve, I gotta achieve. Right. And that's like hypervigilance. That's like a trauma response. Yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. We do that because we're just like trying to get from point A to point B instead of being like, let me appreciate where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And that's been like hard for me. So I was like always on go and like yeah. always traveling. I've been Same. to 20 countries, five continents, you know, like I'd be out. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I was running at the same time. Like I was running from my, my trauma. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of that to say, you know, it's been a, a great journey, but it hasn't been easy. Yeah. yeah. When did it click for you that you even had to heal from trauma? That's a great question. Because like for my whole life, it, it didn't click. Right. Like <laughs> For me either. Like it didn't click for me until I started therapy not too long ago. I was like, oh, I got some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I have some shit to work on. Yeah. So it's like, what was that? Like, I guess the turning point for you, was it a relationship gone bad? Was it a conversation you had with someone that you were like, wait a minute, like, like, what was it for you? I think 
I've like always kind of known, but I was like burying it. So I mm-hmm. never paid attention to it. But then when my dad passed away, mm. that like did it. Like that was the kicker. So my dad passed away three years ago in 2020. Wow. And prior to him passing away, like we lost touch with each other. Like, you know, again, his addiction kind of had him like in and out. And we had like sporadic communication on Facebook. And when I made my poetry book, I actually like put screenshots of our last conversation yeah. in the book. And I was like unpacking that. And um I think it was that. I think like realizing that like, damn, I just lost a parent that I've always like felt like I had lost anyway. Like I always felt like my dad was dead because he wasn't even in my life, but I knew he was alive. And I would always wonder like, I hope he's okay. Like I know he's diabetic and he's an addict, so he's probably not taking care of himself. And I would just always worry. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'll be walking in the street and I'll see someone that like kind of looks like him. And then I'll be like, my heart will be racing. It's like not him. Yeah. Um, So when I got that call, I was like, kind of like, I didn't know what to like even do or like mm-hmm. say I didn't he was actually in a coma and I didn't even know he was in a coma wow. so like that upset me and I had like experienced a lot of anger like I was very upset that nobody called me that I didn't know he was even you know in a diabetic coma or that like all like I would have like you know reached out to him I had tried to actually yeah. like I messaged him on Facebook he never responded so that was really what did it for me that and then ugh, definitely a relationship oh man yeah I was in a really toxic relationship and that was very eye-opening, but it was like a three-year, it was like a three-year cycle. Yeah. You know, my dad died, three years went by, and after I completed that that lesson, that's when I got my apartment. That's when I got the job I wanted, mm-hmm. and, you know, everything just started to click, and it was because I had the courage to start looking at those problems and yeah. start realizing, like, okay, I have, like, you know, certain issues with certain attachments, and I have certain... Um, anger issues and mm-hmm. you know intolerances and mm-hmm. fears and all types of things that was holding me back and yeah so that was really what it was and I think the other thing that kicked it off was like going from eating meat to going vegan like that just like a, a code like went off in my head like a switch I don't know what it was mm-hmm. but you just you're de- you're detoxing the entire time so when you're when you're going vegan and you're eating healthy your body's automatically going to start regenerating itself your cells are going to start um recreating themselves in new ways right so i was like oh wow like i was noticing noticing certain things i was noticing the trees more i was noticing like insects i was noticing little things and then i felt close to them i was like mm-hmm. wait am i like them like wait 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold, on, hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on so trees give me oxygen and then i give them back it's alive. You're oh, all, shit. We're all like connected. We're all connected. Yeah. And it hit me like that. Yeah. And that was what made me think like, oh, wow, I wish I had gone vegan sooner because a lot of the pain that I had and a lot of the anger, it like started to dissipate yeah. when I went plant-based. Like I was just like happier. That's and, really like, interesting. Lighter. Like everything yeah. just kind of started feeling better for me. Um, but I wasn't perfect. And like when I first went vegan, I was definitely like one of those angry vegans. I was trying to like convert everybody. And then I had to have a reality check and I was like, you can't change people. So now I'm like just trying to inspire people through the truth of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that also has been really helpful feeling connected to nature because our society is like not connected to nature. Like we, we go to work and we're like in buildings all day. Yeah. I don't feel connected. Like we live in New York city. There's like hardly uh, any trees and it's hard to connect. So when I was eating all these plants and learning how to cook them Mm -hmm. and researching them and like looking up the benefits, I was like, Nature is beautiful. Like everything we need is here. So yeah, that helped me heal too. And it's still mm-hmm. helping me heal now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the discipline of like being vegan is great because if you could have that discipline in your life, then you could have discipline for other things. Mm-hmm. Discipline to like have goals and to not take no for an answer when it comes to like your dreams mm-hmm. because you're just like, well, 
I'm not going to eat this way. So right. now I'm going to move that, that, that type of like lifestyle into other things, mm-hmm. right? In my relationships, I'm not going to tolerate certain things. And if you think about it this way, you know, I think about every act, like, is it healthy or is it isn't not? Mm. So I'm like, if I go here, if I do this, is that healthy? You know, or am I okay with indulging in a health in an unhealthy activity? Yeah. Because balance, right? Yeah. Like I'm gonna drink wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. not healthy, <laughs> but you know, balance. And right. it's vegan. And it's vegan, so it's fine. Like whatever. Yeah. Other than veganism, like, because <clears throat> I know you like actually help other people on their healing journeys too. If people don't want to be vegan, what's another way that you help people, or like another thing that you recommend for them to like help them heal? I recommend obviously therapy mm-hmm. and I recommend like breath work. I think breathing is a huge thing. Um, and it, it kind of has come full circle for me because when I was a kid, my sister used to bully me and my sister had, she struggles with mental illness and um, she used to bully me and I always used to like cry. But when I would cry, I would like hyperventilate. So mm-hmm. it was really hard to regulate my breathing because I'm like, <gasps> yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Me too. Same. Right. Same. And she would be like, you know, it's like, stop doing that. She's like yelling at me. So whenever I would breathe, in moments where I'm like under a lot of pressure or anything, I'm like having really shallow breathing. I'm not really breathing. And anytime where I do like plant medicine or I do anything that's healing related, it always comes back to your breathing. Like mm-hmm. if you're having a stressful moment, you just have to come back to your breathing because that's how you re-regulate your system. So that's what I tell people too. Like you don't need to necessarily go vegan, but you could practice meditation mm-hmm. every day. Journaling is a huge one. I always tell people like, if you don't like writing, then send, like make voice notes, like record voice notes for yourself. I do that. My I'll therapist tells to me to do that. Yeah. yeah, It's so cool because you're like hearing yourself. I have like so many voice notes in my phone of me like having meltdowns. Yeah. And like I'm crying and I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like listening to them and I'm like and then I'm like I'm saying things to myself that I would say to my future self yeah. and my past self. So when I'm hearing them now, I'm like damn, you funny. Like, you know, like you just you made a whole voice note and yeah. you're listening to it years later. And you're like, wow, like I really survived that. Right. When I thought that was the in end that of the moment, world. it was the biggest thing ever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not. So those two things, I would say, um, getting out in nature too. And honestly, living a life that makes you happy. Like just make a list of things that make you happy and do those things as much as you can. Yeah. Like prioritize happiness because we have so many like obligations and duties, but it doesn't need to be that like we're sacrificing our joy for responsibilities. Like that's just we didn't come here to like have responsibilities. Like we're human and like there's things that we need to do. Yeah. But life is about living. Life is meant to be lived. So make a list. I'm like travel, like find people that you can travel with or something, do things and, and just live out loud. Because if you don't, you're just going to like waste all these years on things that like literally you could change with just mm-hmm. you know, one thought. Yeah. I yeah. want you to talk to me more about ancestral trauma. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Like, what is it? How did you discover it? (laughs) And what are we supposed to do with it? Now that we know we have it. (laughs) And how do you even discover, I guess, that you have? You know what I mean? Like, how do you even find out about it? So, yeah, lay it on me. That's that's a loaded (laughs) question. Okay, so, wow. Ancestral trauma is, you know, trauma that starts in the womb, the womb Mm -hmm. of your grandmother, Okay. It can start before that, too. And this is, like, my understanding. Anybody can, like, correct me on it. But I think it starts with, you know, the Supreme Mother, mm-hmm. which is, like, you know, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, because they carry all of the eggs that you need for future generations. Right. So, like, I have the eggs of, like, my daughter and my granddaughter in me right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I have that. Like, so, and we're talking about 
ancestral trauma, whatever I do now as an ancestor is going to affect my future child or their child. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm eating, who I'm entertaining, who I'm letting myself be intimate with, uh, the music I'm listening to, the jobs, whatever you survive, it literally get, gets passed on through epigenetics, right? And this is like the, the study of our DNA mm -hmm. and how certain things get passed on genetically. Yeah. Like, obviously, it makes perfect sense to me. I realize you don't have the same DNA as me, so right. things in your bloodline look a lot different than my bloodline. So there's that. And I think when you're growing up in a dysfunctional family, that's how I get the first taste of ancestral trauma because I'm like, why is everybody like this? And then I'm mm. looking at my mom because she's the matriarch. She's like the head of the house. So I'm looking at her like, well, what's her story? Like, right. what did grandma do? Like, what was what was the grandpa like? And, you know, like they immigrated here. Like, what was like, what was that? Like, what right. did they go through in Puerto Rico? What are they like? You know what I'm saying? So there's so many missing pieces of our stories that we're just like aimlessly walking around. And we're taught through history books that like, you know, me, that I'm like the descendant of slaves, which... Unless you actually take a portion of my DNA and you're like looking this up, mm -hmm. how can you prove that I'm actually a descendant of slaves or I'm a descendant of something else? Right. So like I know certain things about my ancestry, but there's other things I don't know. Yeah. And I think when you go on these journeys of self-discovery, that's when you start getting those answers through the meditation, through maybe experimenting with plant medicines like mushrooms, ayahuasca. People be getting these downloads in their in their sleep. Prayer is another one. Like a lot of people pray. Some people don't, but you could pray in different ways. So if you before you're, you go to bed, even you can like program your subconscious mind to deliver certain memories and information to you in your dreams. Have you tried that? Yes. And it works. But normally I don't program. I'm like focused on it in the day to day. Like I'm thinking about it consciously. And then when I go to bed, it'll be a dream. And not only is it a dream, it's a premonition mm. because the next day it'll either come true or like later that week or like two weeks later, a month later, two months. So I've had several premonitions that were like super scary because they were like insane. Like one of them, for example, was uh, a dream about a shooting that happened on the train. Like I was living in Kings Highway in Brooklyn last year and I woke up the next day having a dream about a shooting. I was going home in the dream and I was like on the phone with my cousin and I'm like, cousin, should I take an Uber or should I take the train? Like it's late. It was like 2 a.m. And he's like, you live close. Like, and plus like you live in like Kings Highway, like it's safe. I get on the train and there's like guys on the, on the subway, like shooting. And the guy looks at me and he's like, if you want to go, go. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and what the so fuck? Fast. So the next day there was a shooting and turns out that the shooting was a few stops away from where I was living at the time on the N train on 36th street. I was living on Kings highway. So I was just like, what is that about? Like, I've never had dreams like that. I don't have like violent dreams. Right. My dreams are usually about like people that I've like dealt with right. and my subconscious trying to resolve issues that I have with them. So there's that. And then there's also things that like your ancestors are trying to like speak to you and they'll just kind of come to you in your dreams and like warn you about something. And depending on where you're at consciously, you could like interpret that dream and like do something about it. Or ignore it, and right. then it, it, it comes into fruition, and you're like, whoa, like yeah. what? So for me, it's it's a lot of different things. Um, and for me, my journey is specifically with, like, the ancestral uh, trauma and all of those things. That kind of came from just wanting to be free from it and realizing that, like, something was off about my family, yeah. and I knew it came from somewhere. I know right. everything starts from somewhere. Of course. So I was just digging, and I'm, like, a very investigative person. So I was like, let me check, like, what is the issue? And 
if, if my mom's not going to give me the answers or my family doesn't know, then I'm just going to discover this through these different practices, right. these different medicines, these different ways of living and getting close. <laughs> so question, right? Okay. Cause like Anthony, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. But like, okay, so I believe in God. Anthony is not a believer of that. Okay. No judgment. But like, I guess, how does one, as someone who doesn't believe, do you feel like because he doesn't believe, he blocks himself off from like getting dreams like that? Because you don't really dream, right? Yeah, it's so weird. Because, you know, I can predict, I predict shit and like. Right. I he do does predict shit. things, though. Like he'll be like, this is going to happen and it will happen. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's like weird. as someone who doesn't believe and who's not really in tune, I'm like, well, how do you have that I don't ability? Because I was thinking, I've been thinking about that recently, mm. and I'm like, yo, I gotta be some kind of shit because like <laughs> I just see shit happen. Like I, 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 maybe deja vu or something. Like I've seen things happen, yeah, and then it happens that yeah, way, yeah, yeah, in my head, right. yeah. I, I guess my question it. is, if someone wanted to open themselves up to that. Like, what would they have to do? Or is it something that, like, you either have it or you don't? Like, what do you think? Your opinion. That's a really great question. I think there's certain things in this arena that you either have or you don't. Mm -hmm. But because we're human, a lot of people don't think that we're spiritual beings. A lot of people are just like, we're just humans. We don't have souls. When we die, there's nothing else. And right. We just become fertilizer. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. And yeah. I can tell you that that's a lie. But what I will say is... We all have an intuition as well, mm -hmm. right? We're very intuitive creatures. We know how to like determine if there's danger and then act on that danger. We have, if you're moved by emotions, and this is why I said right now I'm in a space of feeling, because if you're, if you're cut off from your emotional center, you can't predict things like that. Mm -hmm. You can't feel environments. You can't feel danger on its way and then move accordingly. Um, so I think when you have like the ability to, for me, it's foresight, first of all. Some people really have, have great foresight. They can mm -hmm. just like see things coming. Right. And that, that's a gift that you're just born with. I honestly. feel like you're gifted. You're, you're just gifted. I think, like, you know what it is? I'm able to have like a clear mind a lot. Like I'm mm, not always clouded, clouded in my head. Yeah. As I'm, my mind is clear. It's free. Right. So that allows me to see things yep. around yep. me. And I'm aware of what's yep. going on. Okay. So that that's what it is. Yep. I'm not like always in my head. And when I do get mm. in my head a lot, then it's like, it's just too much chaos. And I won't mm. feel anything like that. That's a really powerful point. Like <clears throat> a clear mind is so important. And that's kind of what I'm speaking about when mm -hmm. I say I'm like focused on feeling it's really like clearing my mind out. Yeah, yeah. We have two minds. We have the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. Right. Right now, I'm activating the conscious mind through talking to you. Mm -hmm. When you go to bed at night and when I go to bed at night and, and Anthony goes to sleep, we might have subconscious thoughts about this conversation. Yeah. Right? Because all of the things we're talking about, they are seeds that get planted in our minds. And then we can either water them or mm -hmm. not. And I think you don't need to necessarily be a believer to tap into this kind of stuff. Yeah. You just need to... Pay attention. And I think self-awareness is like the best way to like start that journey. Mm. Like forget trying to like discover God and trying to like discover spiritual. Don't even do any of that. Discover yourself. Get yeah. in tune with yourself. Yeah. There's nothing to tune into but you. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So everybody's like, like you trying are to the source. Exactly. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it, this is your life. We're characters in your movie, your character in my movie. It, it kind of all works the same way. Right. But if you're like out of touch with yourself, can you like just even fathom what kind of life that's like? Chaotic. To not really understand like what you're capable of, um, what you have the potential to do, mm -hmm. what you're here to do. Some people mm -hmm. think we don't have a purpose. We create purpose, which I think it's both. I think yeah. you can create your purpose and you have one. Mm -hmm. And also the purpose of life is, again, to just explore, to live, to feel, because we feel all emotions. Yeah. And we're one of those 
species that like can talk about their feelings which is yes. so cool like we can analyze them mm-hmm. we can intellectualize everything mm-hmm. so it really gets exciting when you think about it that way because it's like once you start to see things and peep things mm-hmm. and you can keep peeping Jesus. more stuff yeah sorry yeah it's okay okay so i guess i still want your opinion on this so like for me i finally have gotten to a place where i'm like trusting myself more right But I struggle a little bit because we're talking about trusting your intuition and listening to yourself. So for me lately, it's been coming up as like, I get these feelings when I'm next to people, like these bad vibes. Mm. And when I was younger, I never would really pay attention to, I don't even think I felt negativity from people. Like my mom is really good at that. My mom could be like, that person is not your friend. Mm. Give it a few months. Mm -hmm. They're going to reveal themselves. And she's always right. My mother's very in tune. I never felt that. But now that I'm older, I'm starting to feel that. But I battle with like, okay, I don't know what the word is, but I want to still give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, maybe they're just stressed. Maybe they're just having a bad day. So not to get too specific and too into it, but Anthony and I got into a a situation with someone. And from the minute I got like physical with this girl, like, like not physical fighting, but the minute I got in her presence, I felt off. Mm. I was having such a good day. I stood next to her. I hugged her and I was like, oh nah, something's off. But I ignored it because I'm like, okay, maybe she's stressed. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. So I guess, have you gone through that? And then what's the right thing to do? Like, do I give the benefit of the doubt? Do I trust my intuition? It's very hard for me now. Yeah. And I don't know if there's still some work I need to do mm-hmm. on like trusting myself mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. That's a great question. I remember when I was in therapy, I was talking about that same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, like people were, people do this. And I always end up being right about them. And I hate that I'm always right about people. Right. And she was like, you need to trust your judgment of people over people's judgment of themselves because you're doing a lot of that work. Again, Mm -hmm. this does not mean that I'm perfect. It just means that I got that foresight that Anthony has when it comes to being human. Right. You know, I really do feel like one thing that makes me unique and special is that I really have a good grip on what being human means because I had such a traumatic upbringing and I'm only 27, but I've been able to like conquer all of that. So I really feel like I got a good grip on the human thing, but The problem is that trauma or these things that you've gone through or even just like the way we've been conditioned, it makes you doubt yourself. And like we're taught to doubt ourselves more than we're taught to trust ourselves. So like you (laughs) I think number one, the number one rule is to always trust your intuition because it never steers you wrong. Now, how you go about that is different. So like if I'm ever around people that I feel those vibes with, I don't necessarily like judge it too heavily. I just kind of like play it play it out and try to create a like a block for myself. And this is mental. We all have auras and they kind of like extend out like six feet. So like right now we're like, we're in each other's aura. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're vibing and like <laughs> yeah, Anthony yeah, right yeah. there. So we, we're all like in each other's aura. And I think when, that's why when you leave certain people after like a long day, you're like, oh, like I gotta yes. shut them off. Like I gotta take a shower and just yeah. purify because we're sharing auras with a lot of people. So whenever I encounter that, it definitely affects me and I notice it and I'm, I'm definitely triggered by mm-hmm. it. I'm on the train even coming here and I was just like, Oh my God, like I can't. So I think trusting your um, intuition and knowing when it's intuition and knowing when it's judgment is a huge thing. What is the difference? You have to be able to tell. So I think there's a difference between the feeling you're getting. The feeling you're getting is the intuition. Okay. The judgment is what story you tell yourself Mm. as a result of the feeling. Okay. So if I'm around you and I'm like, oh, she get, I got, oh, I got a bad vibe. And then I'm like, she's probably a bitch or oh she's probably okay. one of those girls who like and then you yeah, start yeah. to tell yourself a story that's the judgment got it but the feeling is the intuition something right. in you was activated mm-hmm. through somebody's presence 
And that's not bad. That's not good. It's nothing. It's just what it is. Right. But then we start to judge things. And that's right. where it gets tricky because we kind of like lean into the judgment. And that's like our ego. So a lot of this, this whole thing, everything we're talking about takes a lot of ego work. Oof. So the ego Ooh, is one of those things. Talk about it. So yes. Hold Listen. on. <laughs> yes. Talk about it. Yeah. The ego is one of those things that like I wasn't aware of um, for a, lo- a large portion of my life. It wasn't Girl. until... Even when I went vegan, I still had an ego. Yep. And even now, I still have an ego. It's not, we it's not all gone. We it, it never goes away. You just learn to integrate it. So I never really knew about egos. I just was like, oh, that person's stubborn. Oh, that person's stuck up. Oh, mm-hmm. that person's this, they're that. And then when you lean into love, love shows you that there's no need for an ego. Mm. And that's why I love love. And I'm like, oh, like one day I'm going to have everything I want. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, like when you're really loving somebody and you're able to like talk through problems yeah. and have difficult conversations and you're like, wow, like love is the answer. Ego is not love. Ego is I got to protect. Possession. I got to be right. Possession. I have mm-hmm. to be right. I have to protect. I have to preserve. And, you know, I need to conquer even. Right. Whereas love is like. I need to liberate. I need to nurture. I need to water. I need to support. I need to care. I need to merge. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, I would rather do those things yes, than the other ones. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that it's easy navigating no. the ego. Because I feel like the ego always takes the forefront, no matter what. Yeah. And it's like, it just is the dominant one. And you have to really check that ego. And a lot of times when I get mad, I'm like, okay, is it my ego talking? Or is it really that I'm like really hurt by this? And a lot of times it really is my ego. Yeah. And that sucks because my ego was like, fuck that. Mm. And it's just like, we cannot be this way. We are destructing yeah. ourselves. It's hard, though, because a lot of people in the spiritual community will, you know, promote love and light. And right. I'm like, yeah, but most of it is not love and light. It's mm-hmm. dark. It's dark. It's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, chaotic. It's messy. It's it's not good. It's not cute. And um, there were portions of my journey where I was like resenting it. I was like, fuck, like, I hate that I'm spiritual. Like, I hate this shit. Like, I hate that I know all this stuff and I hate that I can't do anything about it. And I hate that I feel everything now. I miss the days where I didn't feel shit. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, Drake has this one bar where he's like, this is the year that I won't even feel shit. And even when I hear that song now, I'm always like, "Mm, I want to not feel shit, you know? But I think the beauty of of feeling is that that's what we're here to do. But the ego, like you said, it takes over and... The ego can still manifest like the hurt that you're feeling. That's very real and very raw yeah. can still develop an ego because yep. it's like, well, you hurt me. So I'm not forgiving yep. you and you hurt me. So I'm pushing you away or all my friends betray me. So no more friends, no yep. more friends. Like, and it's just like, nah, again, it goes back to the stories we tell ourselves. So, you know, a lot of this journey is like reprogramming yourself because we grew up being told certain things and our family didn't always have all the information mm-hmm. that we have now. We have like terms for narcissists we have terms for you know gaslighting these are Mm -hmm. things that we all went through right and experienced right but like nobody had this information Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what i'm working on and it's not easy i definitely my my, my ego definitely be kicking in when i'm triggered and i think the thing for me is giving yourself grace and being kind to yourself yes because when you're kind to yourself you just kind of get back on the bike and you're like well you just gonna keep keep going. I just yeah, I feel like something that's been helping me too is to kind of like, I guess, like slap my ego in the face or whatever. <laughs> is like just being really real with myself. Like, you're just hurt. Yeah. You feel rejected, you feel abandoned, you feel disrespected. Sit in the feelings too. Cause the ego wants to like push the feelings to the side and not face it. And um, I just sit in it and I admit it to people too. Like, I'm hurt. Mm. I don't wanna be like, no, fuck you, I'm good. No, mm. I'm hurt. You hurt me. Mm. Now what? 
And if you don't want to fix it, that's fine. I have a therapist that I can work through that with. But like, I'm hurt. And I feel like that's just a lot of people are just so afraid of being real because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, this makes it real. Like now I feel weak. Now I feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm letting this person know that they have the upper hand. No, I feel yeah. like it takes so much courage to be like, oh, Yo, you hurt me. It does. Like, take what's courage. up? Why you did that? Yeah. And it is what it is. And you could call me sensitive. You could call me whatever you want. I expected the person that loved me or said they loved me to respect me and not hurt me. Yeah. So now what are we going to do? It's an honorable thing to uh, to expect from someone. But I think even when we talk about relationships, the things that we expect from people can sometimes be unrealistic Mm -hmm. because we want to believe that they're capable of what we expect. Oh, yeah. But the truth of the matter is that we're not looking at them for who they are. No. And then we fuck ourselves over because we're like, oh, they should have did this. And it's like. How are they going to do that given the fact that they're like X, Y, Z? Like, you're not even being real with yourself. So it goes back to what you're saying, being real with yourself. And yeah. I think that's another thing, too, that mm-hmm. has been like the secret sauce for me mm-hmm. is being real with myself. And like, that's uncomfortable. But you got to do what you got to do. Like, sometimes you got to be sitting with yourself. You got to look in the mirror and be like, you a petty bitch. Or like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you annoying. Or like, you're just, you're, you're, you have, you know, issues and yeah. that's fine. But befriending yourself is another big one that I'll, that I'll share is, the minute I started to befriend myself, my relationships and my life got a lot better mm-hmm. because I didn't... If you're at war with yourself, you're at war with everyone else. Always. So when you befriend yourself, it kind of cancels out this like this war-like energy that you're carrying around, this chip on your shoulder when no one's responsible for what you're going through. We're all responsible for our own trauma and our own stuff. And I think everyone's like, oh, society's so messed up. And it's like, we are society. Like, literally, we can change the world by changing ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent a lot of time working on myself, and I stopped trying to fix people. That was how I first started off this whole thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to fix them. Good. I got all this information. I read all these books. I've been to all these countries. I got this. Yeah. And it was like, oh, no, baby girl, you're going to learn the hard way mm-hmm. that you cannot change people. You can nope. only change yourself. But through changing yourself, you're healing others. So slowly but surely, I have faith that, like, I'm helping to somehow heal my mom. And if people believe in like, you know, alternate dimensions, which mm-hmm. I do, I think there's another timeline where me and her are good. And like mm. we've, we speak every day and yeah. you know, we cook together. We we cry together. We're talking about my dad. Like, I, I can't even talk to her about this man. Right. Like that, that hurts me, mm-hmm. you know, but she's not in a place to hear that truth. You know right. what I'm saying? Like she didn't even go to the burial. Like it's just like, what are we doing? Right. right? There's so much disconnect between families, between people and between ourselves. And. That's something I'm really trying to work on. So I appreciate being here because this is like really important to me in my mm-hmm. life, like having connection, having conversations. Of course. Because we're all so disconnected. And then we have all these damn phones that like connect yeah, us. Like head. we know through social media and that's yeah. like the beauty of it. But then at the same time, it also like makes us feel so alone and isolated because that you're not seeing a person's whole life. I post a selfie and then like an hour later, I might have like almost got hit by a car. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't be fooled by what you're seeing. So that's another thing I do is friend myself and give myself grace because we're not all on the same journey but we're mm-hmm. all human we're going through the motions mm-hmm. um wow we yeah. like talk, you just by you talking we touched on a lot <laughs> i want to know how you even managed to like i guess keep that hope of rebuilding the relationship with your mom knowing that it's not like that now like what is the driving force behind that I think the driving force behind the hope is me Mm -hmm. and seeing the change in myself. Mm. And if I can change, not that she can change, but that through how much I change, the relationship can change somehow. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when I did my mushroom ceremony um, a few months ago. After the ceremony, I was like, oh, my God, I wish my mom was here. Like, I just want to talk to her. Like, I want to hug her. I want her to be here. And then, you know, the women that I was with were like, 
she is here. Like, talk to me. Like, we're all one. So mm. if you're talking to me, you're talking to your mom. And so I'm like, I'm mad at her. And she's like, well, what do you want your mom to say? And I was like, everything. And then we just were talking and it was just like, that was affirmative for me because it's like, I'm expressing myself. I'm able to admit that like, it hurts me that my mom and I are not in touch. When before I was like lying to myself and yeah. I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm good, but my life ain't never been better. And it's like, well, I've, I've definitely acquired peace, you know, from not being in her life. But at the same time, I've acquired grief and it hurts. And it's like, I'm mourning my mom and she's still alive. Like, that's not something that you that you want to deal with. And then having an actual parent who is gone, it's just like mm -hmm. you out here in the world, 27, feeling like an orphan. And you're right. like young, like you're at that age where you need parental guidance. You need that structure. So I think me working on myself and releasing the resentment is what gives me hope that even if like she doesn't change, I can learn to forgive her and then that can change the relationship. Mm. Even if we don't necessarily speak, but in my mind, right. we're good. It can change the way you view her and you'll give her a lot more grace. I've been like developing a lot of compassion yeah. for her through my experiences, through like plant medicine and through mm -hmm. my spiritual journey. Whereas before I was so in my ego that like, I just didn't care. I was like, yo, like, yeah, I was saying really mean things about her mm -hmm. that I won't even say now, but I was saying really mean things in my head. Yeah about her mm -hmm. and uh, I've always felt that way too like even as a kid I would like say these mean things because you know she was not a kind woman to yeah. me she was very very abusive in all ways so as a kid you know you you end up fearing your parent and then you also end up hating them and then you also have this like little slice of love and it's just like a really confusing place to be and then that's the breeding ground for toxic narcissistic relationships to come later which is what happened so yeah do you want to touch on that? The narcissism? Oh, Lord, yeah. girl. I mean, all I can say about the, the toxic relationships is that, goes back to the intuition, when I first met this person, my intuition was like, no. Like, yeah. no across the board. And I went against that because I was like, I could change that person. Like, I could influence them to be better. Like, Because when I met them, they had like a huge ego. It was like mm -hmm. cocky. And I was like, stop. Like, it's not even a good look. Like, we see through this. Like, you're overcompensating. And I thought it was amusing, though. I was like, it's kind of cute. Like, he's trying to impress me. So in my head, I'm like, eh, we'll, we'll get through that. And then it was like, oh, no. No, like, this person and I would argue all the time. We ended up bringing out the worst in each other. And it really felt like um, it wasn't just an ordinary, like, toxic relationship. It felt very karmic. And mm -hmm. when I say that, I mean, like, relationships that you have a history with someone in a past life. And that's unfinished business that is being resolved here in this one. So the ending that we had, I can't really get into details because it's still fresh. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe one day, years from now, I'll come back on and I'll, I'll share that story. But the way it ended was like, there's no denying that this person was karmic and that this person was from a past life because what it did to my soul, mm. the transformation and the self-love that came from that ending, mm. girl, I was mm. like, I'm done. When I say I'm done, I, I tweeted the other day. I was like, I don't think you heard yourself when you said you was done putting up with bullshit. And I was talking to me. Cause I'm like, <laughs> girl, you said you was done putting up with bullshit. Why yeah. are you still putting up bullshit? And I kept yeah. going back to this person because they reminded me of my mom, like their aggression mm. and the way they spoke to me. And I thought that this was love. Just like I thought that my relationship with my mom was love. And of course she like loves me, but she doesn't know how to love because right. she's so broken from her own childhood. So right. that's kind of what mirrored in my relationship where this person was also dealing with so much trauma that they weren't looking at and they were like not on a spiritual journey they weren't on a healing journey i was and i'm like i gotta do this stuff and they're like well you know 
Like, it sucks that, like, that's what you need to do. And it's like, we should both be trying to do this together. Like, it shouldn't be me healing and, like, you know, going to Costa Rica and doing a fucking retreat for, like, a month. And then you being in New York upset because we can't do this together. Right. Like, that's really important to have in relationships. But, again, you can't force people to do that work. And everybody's on their own journey and their own path. So when you're not able to grow together, you just grow apart. Right. And, you know, that's, that's like, the roundabout story of it. Because I kept, like, going back to this person because I truly was not... I didn't want to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. I, I just didn't have the strength to be alone. You know, and I always judged people who like needed to be in relationships mm-hmm. and like were like, you know, codependent. I'm always like, man, like they're weak. Like, and I'm judging them, but I had that trait in my damn self with my ex and other people that I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, I never really noticed, but I actually was codependent. It just wasn't in the traditional sense of like, I needed you to call me all the time, right. but I was codependent in that like, my relationships, I had them all on a pedestal. And when, when someone hurt me, I did not handle that well. And I would, you know, end the relationship. And I knew that that person didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's what you get. Like, I will punish people. Yeah. And that's codependent because it's like, why do you feel like you need to punish people because they made a mistake? That goes back to childhood because I wasn't allowed to make mistakes as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom would hit me for things that were so minor. Like, right. you go to the store and get the wrong thing, it's a wrap. Yeah. And she's doing it in front of everybody. So I've got physical abuse but then I've got public shame Mm -hmm. so I was like dealing with a lot of that and it made me judge people growing up and when people made mistakes I was like oh my god like I would just flip because my mom would flip over that you know what I'm saying so it was just like a lot of unlearning and I'm still in that space of now I don't flip out now I'm just like wow people gonna hurt me and I have to accept that there's certain things about being human that you're like yo we gotta just accept that like there's no way around it this is just what it is like that's whack that shit sucks. Yes. Ass. So that that's where I'm sucks. at. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's the, that's healing too. When you start to accept certain things yeah. and, you, and you notice that you're ex- not tolerating, but accepting truly. Accepting like, it. Yeah. It's powerful. Like that's, that's the best way it to It is powerful because you can then decide, okay, well do now, do I want this person in my life? And what capacity do I want boundaries. them? What boundaries am I going to set? You really are in control. Once you accept that it's when you yeah. try to prevent the hurt, you're not in control at all. Yeah, you and just have to brace yourself yeah. for the possibility that... I saw a quote the other day that said, um, people, the, the same people who love you uh, are capable of hurting you. <laughs> Girl! It was on my co-star. It was Girl. on my co-star. So I was just like, <laughs> okay, co-star. Yeah. You know, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a real eye-opening moment for me because it was just like, I've been talking about this like this week with my, with my cousin and my close friends. I'm like, you know, I noticed that I don't really handle disappointment well. And mm-hmm. it's because of you know, feeling like I couldn't make mistakes as a kid. And even as an adult, like I look back on my friendships and I'm like, I'm not saying I was perfect, but I always had good intentions. Yeah. And if things like ended wrong, it was it. It wasn't because I did something. It was because I didn't set a boundary. Yeah. So something happened and I didn't set a boundary and then it got worse. But it wasn't because I did some shit. Right. right. It was just kind of like, oh, fuck. You kind of like, just let shit happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're like basically enabling people's behavior. Mm-hmm. And then you got the nerve to be upset because they did that when... You need to defend yourself. You need to be, you need to have your back. And that's an always all fronts, especially when it comes to boundaries. It's like, we have this like shame about, I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want to make things awkward. And it's just like, but they don't care that you feel away. Literally. So set that boundary for the both of you. Literally. So yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a mess. And it's like, it's obvious that the people you love the most are going to hurt you the most. You're just going to yeah. feel more hurt from those people because you care about those people. You care about what they do. Someone you don't give a fuck about. They can say whatever, do whatever. You're like, all right, fuck you. I don't care. We never got to talk again. It still bothers me. Really, for real? Yeah, because it goes back to my intention. I have love for all people. Mm. 
before I meet somebody, I have love for them. Mm. And it's like the the relationship starts to unfold. And then I'm like, you know, you're, you're doing something toxic. And even though we never really got deep with each other, I still cared about you. Yeah. I still cared about your man. I'm a very like empathetic person. So I meet people and I just like, I'm, I'm immediately rooting for them. And then the minute I meet somebody, I want to get to know them so I can help them. Mm. Like once I get to know you and I see what you're into, I'm like, oh, I know somebody who does that. Or, oh, I, I know a scholarship you could apply for. Oh, here, like, here's this. Like, I just have that nature, you know? And I get it from my mom, but like, she was more like, doing it with like a with a an, like a attachment like you know I'm doing this for you what are you going to do for me like yeah it was okay. very like transactional with my mom but with me it's like I don't need anything from you I just need you I mean just love me like I want your love at least like you know what I'm saying yeah. like my mom just kind of wanted like material stuff yeah. and I'm like well I would love your loyalty I would love your companionship like I'll love anything that is positive that comes out of this connection and when things kind of go south it does hurt me, like any type of situation and encounter, anything. Like I just, it hurts me that people have to be at war with each other. Like I don't like that. I don't like mm-hmm. that for us. And do you feel like that feeling of like, I want you to love me. I want to love you. I want to do things to help you. You feel like that stems from your childhood, for sure, right? I was because it just clicked for me. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it was a void that I yeah. had. You know, like I'm the youngest girl, and culturally, I was the only black girl in the house. Mm. And that was something that was very isolating for me. And um, blackness was something that, like, my family embraced, but it was a it was like a covert bias that they had about black people. And I noticed it with my mom a lot of the time she would speak about black people. I'd be like, why does she do that? Like, you have three black children and then you have three Puerto Rican children and you're saying these things about black people. But it's, like, part of our culture um, to, like, judge other groups. And all that is really just silly to me. But I felt very isolated and um, I felt very ignored and I didn't feel like I mattered. I felt very invisible as a kid. So when I got to high school, I was so desperate for a relationship that I just like found a person and I was right. like, I latched onto them and I was like, this is going to be my safe. Like, this is going to be the person who loves me. And they did love me and I was so happy. And then like my mom sabotaged it and I was mm. like, oh my God, like everything's over. Like my life, like that's when I went through my first depression and it was really hard because I felt like I had finally been loved for the first time mm-hmm. and then it was ripped away by the person that had literally given me that scar in the first place. You mm-hmm. know, my mom not necessarily understanding that I'm growing up and I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to date people and I'm going to outgrow this nest. And mm-hmm. she didn't like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was college-bound. I had, like, a boyfriend. I was 17 and had straight A's. And she was just like, hell no. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Like, I feel like other mothers were, like, so happy to hear that I had straight A's. Like, my friend's parents were always like, I wish my daughter had younger grades. And I'm like, don't do that because now you're embarrassing your kid in front of me. Like, you see what I'm saying? What parents do. Um, we don't realize <laughs> that we do these things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to do that. It's just a matter of, like, trying to give praise to people without necessarily making someone else feel guilty. Right. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what it was. I was seeking love from external people. And I could have gone any route. I could have gone, like, any route. I could have been, I could have turned to, to drugs. Like, my dad was an addict. I could have totally been like, well... Right. Like what's what would what, what, what stop me? Right. And there were like drugs all over my house as a kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like I'm picking up little like clips of weed. I'm smoking it at like seven. Oh, you know, shit. people leaving around liquor. Mm-hmm. I'm like 10 sipping Henny. Mm-hmm. Damn. Or soda. Damn. Yeah. You know, so it's like shit like that. And I could have totally leaned into that. And I did when I went to college. I definitely like drank a lot and I was repressing a lot. And I noticed that like I was drinking way too much. Um, I was having fun, but if you wake up and you don't remember how you got in your bed, I think that's problematic. Yeah. So I had a lot of those moments and um, I had to learn to love myself and I'm still there. Like, I'm not fully there. It's hard. There's days where I'm lonely and I'm like, oh, my God, like, oh, man, like, 
this this human thing it really requires relationship and that's why you have to get those needs met through moments like this moments mm-hmm. with friends you know work or wherever you can like really because some of us grew up so hungry so starved yeah of care and love and that i was one of those people like i grew up very very starved of love and then mm-hmm. i was accepting it from really fucked up people mm-hmm. i want you to talk to me about storytelling so what do you mean by you're a storyteller like are you writing stories are you just like putting your phone up telling stories mm. like what are you doing how do you use it to talk about certain things that are important to you yeah i think i come from a family of storytellers growing up like i always admired my mom despite everything because on fridays she would always throw parties fridays and saturdays my mom was like one of those lit people she's a tourist so she's into like all that kind of stuff but um <clears> she would throw parties and when it got really, really late, like around 1, 2 a.m., I would fight my sleep because I'm like, she tells the best stories around this time. She's drunk. She's clapped. Really? She's, she's so clapped. And when my mom was drinking, that's when she was the nicest to me. So I liked being around oh, wow. her. She was drinking. Damn. So she, she's my drinking. the opposite. Yeah. It'd be like that. So mm-hmm. my mom was nice to me when she was drinking. And um, she, she's just telling stories about, like, her childhood, running through the train tracks and brooklyn like all types of like wild stuff you know like people she used to like you know encounter in her life and i used to just love it because i'm like wow she's such a good storyteller like she's so engaging like you're like on every word and that kind of like was what started my interest in storytelling i would read a lot of books too because i was a very isolated kid so i would read a lot of books but about like heavy stuff like i read push this book that was based on the movie um i remember push my sister was reading that the movie precious yeah that was the book that like made me want to be a writer and I started writing those kind of stories in mm. middle school. I started writing short stories. That's heavy. I was dealing with those heavy topics in Ooh. middle school. Yeah, I was writing stories about like rape, trigger trigger warning, y'all. But things like that, heavy stuff, you know, like incest. Like I was writing about that at like 12, 13. Got my first laptop and I was like up all night typing, 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 typing. My mom would come out of her room like go to sleep. <laughs> and I'll be like. <laughs> then my brother got me a laptop. It was over. Like, I just kept writing and writing. So that's how I started with my storytelling journey. And then it went into poetry and it, it, it just kept like evolving. Then I started to do spoken word, which is a whole different type of storytelling because now you're using your body. Yeah. You're using your voice. And, you know, with acting that I'm, I'm getting into now, that's a whole other avenue of storytelling. And then with music and right now I'm telling a story and uh, I'm writing a TV script. So like I just am a person who tells stories in every way you could tell a story. Mm-hmm. That's literally like my goal in life is to be someone who tells my story mm-hmm. in every medium possible. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Wow. Well, that's how I see myself. Like, I just I like telling stories and I have stories to tell. I can see you doing that yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you working on like a book right now? So I'm not working on a book now because like I wrote my poetry book mm-hmm. and um, what's the name of your poetry book? Is it out for sale? Like It is not out for sale anymore. Damn. It was actually a limited edition oh, shit. series. So like if you got it, Shout out, shout out. Um, But yeah, if you got the book, it's like one and done. Like you are just like the first hundred people to have a piece of my heart in your home. And I I like that. But the book is is called The Ghetto Youth Handbook. And it's about how to survive life in the ghetto, no matter Mm. where you're from. Any ghetto you ever grew up in, all those traumas, I'm talking about them. I'm talking about what I went through and how to get through it. And I kind of include like, you know, my dad in there and just my survival. It's, it's, It's a lot about grief. It's a lot about overcoming resilience and things like that um but i'm also like sort of working on my memoir but it's not going to be done anytime soon but i like i'm i've always been someone who's like doing things in advance so like my poetry book was pretty much halfway done 
by the time I got the grant to write it. Got it. So it, it literally took like two months to write it, even less actually, because I had already had so many poems. With the memoir, that one is more like I'm taking my time because mm-hmm. I actually want to do a few more things in terms of like spirituality that like when the book, the when the, when the memoir closes, it's like a great ending. Yeah. Because it'll be like, oh, she reached that spiritual peak. Like mm-hmm. She finally got what she was looking for. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I want. Um, outside of that, I'm working on a TV series. So I have like the pilot already written. Oh, that's lit. And then what else am I working on? Like an EP is going to be coming soon. And I'm working on a short film. So like... Oh, you're busy. Yeah, I have a lot of things going on. <laughs> you're busy. You know? But I, I'm thinking about dropping another book, but not right now. Like, I don't want to do that yet. Mm-hmm. I see in the near future, like, continuing to, like, get my name out there yeah. and, and grow as an artist and as a creative. And then mm-hmm. someone will just come offer me a book deal. That's kind of, like, what I want. Like, I see that happening. I don't want to self-publish again. I did that already. Was that hard? No, because I actually did that with a, with my um my cookbook. Okay. So I made a vegan cookbook and that, that you know, <laughs> I'll be out here, man. My um my vegan cookbook, I didn't want to write that. I yeah. wrote that because people kept asking me like how to go vegan and I had felt guilty because I was like, I want to help them, but they got to do the work. Yeah, like I research everything. Of I ain't have nobody to talk to shit. Right. So I was like, you know what? I cook all the time. I like taking pictures. I'll just bust this out real quick. And that's what I did. I made a whole like manual about how to go vegan. So is it's that not, up for sale still? That is up for sale. That is up for okay, sale. Okay, we're going to need the link. All right, yeah. <laughs> By we, I mean me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think um, people can like DM me for that right yeah. now because like my website is in construction, but I have copies of the cookbook still. And basically, it takes you through what is veganism, why did I go vegan, and more of my history, my health history. I got diagnosed with a, um, a endocrine disorder. Mm. I have something called hyperthyroidism. It's nothing crazy. It sounds like, oh my God, but it's it's literally just a hormonal uh, disorder. And that, we don't even know where it comes from. Scientifically, yeah. they say. I think it's from my trauma because mm. I went through so much trauma. We hold that in our guts and our gut holds the immune system. So yeah. like my whole body was going through so much that like, of course, I developed some kind of like, you know, mood disorder or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of what, I talk about in the beginning of the book and then I talk about how to swap things out. Like if you like milk, I tell you all the different vegan milks you could you could do. And then if you're on a budget, this is the key because a lot of people think being vegan is expensive. If you're eating out all the time, it is. But Obviously. like that's but that that goes for anything. Right. If you're cooking, it really is not going to cost you that much. It's going to cost you half the amount it will cost you to make like a, a meal with meat. Mm-hmm. But um so the book talks about really cheap recipes like $5 and under oh, love and that. like comfort foods like Caribbean, Italian foods and, nice. you know, things that like we're used to eating anyway. It's not anything foreign. Maybe you've never had like a baked sweet potato with beans and vegan cheese, but you you might have had a baked sweet potato. You know yes. what I mean? So everybody kind of is familiar with these things that are in the book and I have like desserts in there and things like that. Um, so that book is definitely for sale. And I'm not necessarily coaching people on being vegan because I just don't want to. I feel like people are like, I want to go vegan. And then they're like, they're going to fall off. And then I got to deal with yeah. that. Like, nah, no, like, just buy the book and take your time. Take your time. If you're paying me to help you go vegan. And then it's like you paid me all this money and then you ended up like falling off. And then you're back in a year. It's like maybe this is a journey you need to just go right. on. And not consult with Maybe me. Maybe just on. a few meals a week. Nothing yeah, too you can crazy. Just incorporate it. Like literally yeah. anything helps. Like I work for an animal rights nonprofit, and we're always telling this to people. Like you don't need to go vegan. Mm-hmm. Like obviously we want you to do that, but even if you just like cut out meat for uh, you know a few days a week, or you know every now and then you're eating it, like that makes a huge difference. Like you don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Like environmentally, um, socially, economically, everything, everything. It's like you know you're you're limiting. 
violence and harm in the world. And like, how is that not a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just a little. Mm -hmm. So I guess the last thing is what's next for you? Mm-hmm. Other than, I mean, you have a lot going yeah, on already. I mean, there's more. Like, I have a <laughs> yeah, long like, list. What's... In my phone, I have, like, several pages. It's called Future Projects and Goals. And, like, that shit is probably, like, 50 pages. I love that. 50 pages. Wait a minute. That's a book in itself. <laughs> right. Like, how to have goals. And <laughs> I it's guess just, like... what's the top couple things you want to do now? Like, Well, what's... like I said, my short film, I'm super excited about. This, um, this idea to, like, pursue acting. Um, I've always wanted to be an actress, actually. And... When I was like going to high school or before high school, actually, I was asking my mom, like, I want to go to a performing arts high school. I wanted to go to LaGuardia. She was like, absolutely not. You're not going there. And I was just like, fuck. So I ended up going to school like a few blocks away from my house. And it was like not a good public school at Mm -hmm. all. But I still ended up, you know, going to college and stuff. But I always wanted to act. And so I got a past life regression a few weeks ago. And the woman was like giving me the regression. And then after she was like, Phoenix, I got to tell you. I've done this for 30 years and I've never met anybody with a mind like yours. You have the most creative mind I've ever encountered. And what's crazy is that you have a perfectly balanced subconscious and conscious mind, like perfectly balanced masculine and feminine left and right brain. And I was like, what? (laughs) She was like, yeah, like, trust me, when when I go into the the regressions of people, I can tell when they're like making up a memory or whatever. And I, I could tell you were doing that. But wait, wait, what is a regression? It's like when you go into your subconscious mind to recover memories. So who was this woman? Like a, a hypnotist or something? She was No, because hip, uh, hypnosis is different. Okay. She was, uh, she's like a therapist and a uh, spiritualist. Okay. And um, I guess whatever you would call people who do past life regressions. So I guess, all right, all right, all right hold on. Rewind <laughs> like, there's here. A name for that. Because like, what is... So you enter this room, right? I mean, we did it virtual. So we're okay, on the phone. So yeah. We're on the phone. Uh-huh. And she's like, find somewhere comfortable. Put on headphones. That's what's really going to help this. Get really relaxed. She brought me back into my body. We did a grounding exercise so that my brain, like he was talking about, was like completely just silent and off. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, all right, we're going to go into a memory. We're going to breathe. And she's like guiding me. And she's like, take me into... Um, she said, I forgot what exactly she said, but she was coaching me through memories. So I went to like my childhood. I went mm. to like a dark memory. One that triggered my panic attack. I went to that one. Mm. And she was like, you know, what's happening? And I'm describing it to her. But I'm like, as I'm doing it, I'm terrified. Like, I don't want to be like descriptive. I'm being very vague. Yeah. And then she's like, all right, we're going to move on to this memory. And we're like moving through different memories. And she's noticing that I'm getting out of my subconscious mind and I'm going into my conscious mind. So she goes, Phoenix, I need you to repeat this affirmation. Conscious mind, be still. And she keeps on telling me to do that because my conscious mind kept coming up. And then that's why she was like saying this, like your brain is like perfectly balanced because you, even though you kept going into your conscious mind, you were still bringing me into your memories. Mm. And she's like, no one's ever been able to do that. Like Mm. I can literally tell when people are bullshitting this whole experience. And like, I could tell like you brought me there. And I was just like, wow. She was like, you need to be an actress. She's like, you have the kind of mind that has the ability to do that. Kind of like, you know, Jamie Foxx, Tupac, like people like that who are just able to do multiple things. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I always felt like I was one of those people that like could just have my hands in multiple things. So my short film's coming and um, we're not even in production yet. We're like in post, like we're in pre-production. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Snapping out the scenes Mm -hmm. and it's a one woman show. So I'm like. Oh my God, this is oh, going to be shit. really, really intense. And we're make it's a satire. It's like a social critique. So it's going to be amazing. And then my EP is coming soon too. So there'll be some music on the way. Um, 
What else? I mean, shoot. Stay tuned. I have a YouTube channel that's coming out as well. Oh, so love that. I think folks who like probably want to know more about my journey and mm -hmm. different things, like I'll be talking a lot about my travels mm -hmm. and like how traveling has informed my my experience and how it's helped me heal and how it's helped me live a more authentic life mm -hmm. because it's just something about getting out of this country. Like, honestly, like, I don't know what it is. It feels like an asylum, but it's, a, and it's an asylum we keep coming back to. Like, mm -hmm. we, we like it. It's like the Stockholm syndrome. Yep. Like, you know, so, and I'm clearly prey. Like, I fall victim to it because I'm back. You know, I was yeah. living in Costa Rica before all of this. Oh, wow. But I went through something karmic and spiritual that brought me back here. You know, ancestors brought me back here. And it's for different reasons. I'm starting a podcast as well. So I have a YouTube channel coming and a podcast separately. So follow me on Instagram yes. at Phoenix Rising. Yes. All right. And um, that's Rising, R-I-S-Z-I-N-G. Not Rising Regular. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having no, me. No, thank you. you. This great. was great. Absolutely. You Were you nervous at all? No. Because you looked very comfortable. Yeah, I am. I, I am very talking. excited for your podcast. Thank you. I am going to definitely tune in. Yeah, it's going to be great. And we're going to keep building and keep, you know, learning and, mm -hmm. and growing as we go. So I appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming. Of course. All right, guys, like always, like, share, comment, subscribe. We'll put Phoenix's information in the episode description, and we will see you next week. Bye.